Yo, what's up everybody? Ready Show on Dirt coming to you live from the TV studios. I'm your host, Quentin. Today is Sunday. Sunday, February 17th, I think, man. We're, it's February going on spring, going on baseball. I'm so, so excited. It's finally here. Now, listen, I'm going to try to explain this the best way I possibly can. But there is a time when the anticipation for baseball is completely overwhelming and it's it's a feeling of ecstasy it's the best feeling in the whole entire world and it's kind of like when winter is setting sail and spring is coming in and the weather's starting to change and you know you walk outside in the morning at 6 a.m to go walk the dog and the sun's coming up earlier than what it does it's kind of cool outside but not cold you got a crisp breeze coming through you can hear the birds in the air and all of a sudden it's hit you and you get that overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, spring is here and they're going to start playing baseball. And that's the window we're in right now. We are, I think, 38 days, maybe 37 from um, opening day, which is March 28th. So that's a Thursday. And again, last year was the first year baseball did it. But on March 28th, Thursday, March 28th of this year, every single baseball team, all 30 teams, are going to be playing a game. And it's I remember having so much fun last year. I took the day off of work. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't requested Thursday, March 28th off, go ahead and do it now and sit at home, make your plans, grill, you know, bring out the grill, order drinks, get your favorite, you know, in-season beer, right? Because doesn't everyone have an in-season beer that they support their baseball team with? I do, right? Since I'm away from Illinois now, the only really good classic, just dirty Midwestern beer I can get is hams because they've started selling hams in South Carolina grocery stores, which is amazing. So I go full on hams, you know, when I'm getting ready for opening day and I get it, right? You get beers like hams and old style and they're completely headache inducing beers. Like they're not good beer. Like I gave my wife a hams once and she's like, oh my God, you drink this? And I was like, yeah, I do. I understand it's really bad, but you know, as a fan, we have to recognize that it's not just our athletes, our teams that are grinding through 162 games. You know, if I'm going to ask you know, Chris Bryant to hustle out every single single, every single single, even though he knows he's going to get thrown out, but there's a point, oh, oh, 0.001% chance that there might be a bobbled ball or an errant throw, then the least I can do, the least I can do is drink a crappy beer, swallow a few aspirin, and keep pounding, you know? So what if, if I you know, go to work Tuesday hungover because the worse that the beer is, the, the the quicker the hangover is, you know. But if I'm going to ask that out of my player, then guess what? I'm going to drink a few headache-inducing beers and, you know, I might get out of shape a little further than what I am already. But, hey, you know, you have to do what you have to do. But request the 28th of March off. Watch every baseball game. I'm super stoked. Like, it is finally here. And... Um, <laughs> But with that being said, though, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still haven't signed a contract, and neither is Craig Kimbrell, and, you know, neither is Dallas Keuchel. Like, they're really good guys. It's like Mike Moustakas, dude, no, he hasn't signed either. I, those are the guys that just come to, like, quick mind. There are more than that. You know, I think there are, like, 100 or so guys. Um, I'm going to take a drink of coffee right now. Mm. I knew that's what I wanted to do as soon as this weekend hit. 
I was like, I'm just going to wake up Sunday morning and hit record and just talk baseball to myself and to the people that are listening. It's the best thing ever. It's just, you know, kind of like uh, talking baseball with your old man. You know, when I was a kid, I would wake up at like 5 a.m. My dad, he, he, he built houses, you know, he built stuff. And he would just wake up super early to get ready for the day to like read the paper and stuff like that. So I'd get a hold of the paper after he was done, check out all the box scores because you've got to know what's happened. And then also just watch Sports Center, you know, like uh, Keith Olbermann, Dan Patrick. Oh, dude, like the Vintage Sports Center days. I'll still hustle them up and find them on YouTube just to watch them. And so that's what I wanted to do today was like, well, I'm going to sit back and drink a coffee and just talk some baseball. So thanks for tuning in, though. Let's get into the show, man. But before I do, I got to give some shout outs to uh, some folks that listen to the show. So over the past couple weeks, we had set up a contest to give away a copy of A Great and Glorious Game, which is a book written by former MLB Commissioner Bart Giamani. It is my favorite baseball book and one of my favorite all-time books. It is, it's a series of essays and the way they're written, the, be- I, the best way I could describe them would be they're just all-encompassing, man. If you want to wrap yourself in a warm blanket of baseball, they're isn't another set of words you can read that takes you to this ultimate baseball point of just feeling the game. You know, if this is a game that you love, this book puts you right in the middle of it, man. And it tells these stories beyond, you know, the game. You know, there's one essay in there where he talks about the end of the season and the Boston Red Sox playing their last game of the year. And it's called, uh, I've got a copy of the book in front of me, because um, if you haven't read this book, man, I've got a couple really good essays in here that I would recommend. If I can find the table of contents quick enough, you know, it's kind of, I need like a producer probably for the show, right? Or something like that. You know what I mean? Because it's basically me just balancing a mic in one hand, a coffee in the other hand, and then me stumbling over my words. Okay. The Green Fields of the Mind, you can Google search that essay and read it online. And actually, Tom Seaver's Farewell, which was originally published in Harper's Magazine, that's a phenomenal essay, too. And he just, Bart Giamatti was just able, he writes the most beautiful words. Like, it's it's just unreal of, I guess, just the places it can take you. And it's like I said, I'll quit ranting about it, but it's just this book's ability to tell you stories beyond just what the eye thinks it sees um, to just points where it brings about just this intimate like relationship with baseball, you know, just these really good stories that you read about. And it's, it's just exciting. You know, it's like watching a really good baseball documentary. And even if you're not a super baseball or even if you're not like an awesome um, like book reader, like you don't really like to read books. This book is still um, an awesome read because of just how well it's written, man. And it's like a book you can read and you just don't stop reading it. It's yeah. I mean, I can't describe it any better than that or like any worse than what I'm doing. Now, it's a great book, but what I was getting at, dude, is I could give a shout out to our winners, man. So I picked two winners on Twitter, one for Instagram and two winners on Facebook. A Graham out of British Columbia, man, thanks a ton for listening and recommending the podcast to Kyle, who lives in Washington. So I'll have your books uh, mailed out tomorrow. I think I told you last Monday they're a little late. My apologies, fellas. But they'll be on your way with sticker packs. Aaron out of Honolulu, Hawaii. 
Thanks for listening, dude. I'll get your stuff mailed out. And then Robbie out of Michigan and Michael out of New York. Those were our two Facebook winners, man. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing the podcast, entering in the contest. Um, all you guys will get a book, a sticker pack. We'll get those mailed out to you. And side note, what I figured out is this, man. My winners, man, live in some pretty cool places. Like, I got a dude that lives in British Columbia. I'd love to go to Canada. Hell, Kyle, I'd love to go to Washington State, too. And Aaron out of Honolulu. I just want you guys to know that if you ever feel compelled to be like, hey, man, if you want to come to Hawaii or, like, Canada, like, feel free. Mikasa Sukasa, however that is, uh, just come to my house and enjoy the place. Like, hey, man, you know, um, that would be great. So I'm not saying don't feel pressure that you have to, like, invite me because you don't know me. And I'm just like a weird voice on the other end of your cellular telephone. But I don't have any priors. Um, I can be trusted. And I, I am weird, but not like in a creepy weird way. Just like in a like, oh, <laughs> that's not funny, but he thinks it is funny weird way. That's me. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, dude. Um, that stuff will get mailed out. So let's uh, drink some coffee and talk baseball, man. So check it. Um... Bryce Harper hasn't signed yet. Dude, neither is Manny Machado, right? I think I actually just said that two seconds ago, dude. Okay, so here's the scoop on Bryce Harper, man. It looks sort of like the, the San Francisco Giants are, like, really digging Bryce, man. They're like, dude, we would love Bryce Harper. And I get why the Giants would like Bryce Harper because they had, like, a 90-loss season the year before they signed Barry Bonds. And when they signed Barry Bonds, the next year they won 103 games. So – like obviously, this isn't basketball or football where you can get like one offensive stud and make a difference, but there's so many differences that Bryce Harper could make, right? I understand that you signing Bryce Harper is not you signing LeBron James. So even if like your team's looking at Bryce and you're kind of like, well, I don't want to sign the guy for 10 years and $300 million, hear me out on this, dude. Bryce Harper is the closest thing in baseball to LeBron James that I think you can get. And when I say LeBron James... Uh, I'm not talking on like any superstar level, but I'm talking about if you were to sign one baseball player and him be the most influential baseball player on an entire lineup, outside of Mike Trout, I think Bryce Harper's that guy. And I know, like last season, dude, at one point, like his batting average was like 214, which is like really you know it's not it's not high you know it's not good their pitchers about higher than 214 but he always kept a super high on base and a super high slugging percentage so my thought on Bryce Harper just batting so crappy was Bryce Harper had a league leading 130 walks last season right pitchers don't want to pitch to Bryce Harper they don't want to pitch to him because he's so destructive with the lumber man the guy you saw him in the home run derby last year and he he can hit a baseball really far He's like the Uncle Rico, right, of left-handed batters. Like, I can I can throw, I can hit this, or I can throw this pigskin a uh, country quarter mile or whatever it is. Uh, God, I'm awful at this podcast. Dude, you guys deserve an award for listening to me. But Bryce Harper is that guy, dude. He just hit the ball like a country mile. And that's what happens, dude. And because Bryce Harper is, is so dangerous and all of baseball knows it because it shows up in his walk rate, if you were to spend money on a guy and say, hey, well, in baseball, you can't really sign one baseball player and him, like, influence the game that much. You've got to have a good supporting cast. 
That's true. But with Bryce Harper, he is the one batter that you could insert in any lineup, and he will affect the way every single player is pitched to and approached. And if you look at one hitter that will shake the pitcher so much that's not named Mike Trout, that's Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper will get a pitcher shook in no time because of how dangerous he is and how he can change a game so much. And what I'm saying is this. Let's say you've got Bryce Harper third in your lineup. And the game starts. It's the first inning, dude. Well, in the first inning, the most runs are scored in the first inning than any other inning, which is why the Tampa Bay Rays choose an opener. Well, you know if you've got a guy batting first and he's super fast, you don't want him to get on base no matter what. Because then if Bryce Harper comes up, Bryce Harper has a chance at a two-run home run. So that first hitter is going to probably get some pitches to hit. And likewise with the second guy that bats right in front of Bryce Harper because you for sure don't want to put that guy on. Because if you put that guy on, then Bryce Harper comes up with either one guy on base or two guys on base. And if you can get those first two guys out, then you can afford to walk Bryce Harper because if I'm a manager and I'm a pitcher, I don't want to pitch Bryce Harper strikes. If Bryce Harper comes up with nobody on base, screw it, man. I'm, I'm not going to pitch him anything good, and I'm going to make him fish for stuff, which kind of tells me that's maybe why his batting average was so low last year. I know he was um, – even his, like – contact rate against fastballs was a lot lower because he was swinging at fastballs out of the zone because he was getting walked and he knew that but he really 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 wanted to hit man and who can blame him for it dude he's a, he's got a lot of power in the bat man he wants to hit a home run he wants to hit and get on base every athlete wants to hit who wants to go up there and just get walked you're not doing as much for your team as you could so was Bryce really trying to force it Hell yeah, he was trying to force it. I'm glad he was trying to force it. Most guys would just take the walk because they wouldn't want to see their batting average go down to 214. Bryce didn't really care. So if a pitcher gets those first two guys up, screw it, dude. Walk Bryce. But if one of those guys gets on base, it's like, oh, damn. So if you've got your one and two hitter who are kind of good, they might be a lot better now because you've got a number three hitter that can drive him in. And what if those one and two hitters are all of a sudden getting more competitive pitches? Well, heck, then their batting average might go up. They might play better. You'll see better offensive seasons out of those guys. And then likewise with your four-hitter, if Bryce Harper ends up getting walked in the first inning, then your cleanup hitter gets a chance to bat in the first inning. I'm pumped about that, man. Let him bat and get on base because that's my cleanup guy. And then now I know I don't want to walk him, so I'm pitching him pretty aggressively too because he's not Bryce Harper. And I think things like this just go on and on throughout the lineup because the pitcher – you know, it's like Mike Tyson said, man, everyone's got a game plan until you get punched in the face. You've got your game plan as a pitcher, but then when you see Bryce Harper come up, dude, like everything changes. And on a intangible level, Bryce Harper instills fear in pitchers more than any player in Major League Baseball that's not named Mike Trout. And maybe like those are equals, dude. I don't know. Mike Trout's a better hitter than Bryce Harper. I get it. But when they're both on and peaking – I mean, Bryce Harper had a 10-win season in 2015. Dude, Bryce Harper's a really good baseball player. Like an all-time, he, he could be an all-time great, which is weird that, mm, coffee drink, which is weird, right, that he's still like a free agent because you would think teams, even teams that aren't contending, 
would say, like, dude, give me Bryce Harper because I can sign him for 10 years. But it's not happening. And as it sits right now, it seems to be that the Giants and the Phillies, right, or you know, in the running for him, that's what's going to happen. The word is on the street that uh, the fit the shoot the Giants want to make him like a super lucrative short term offer. Like I've read a report that they'd be cool to pay Bryce forty million dollars a year for like five or six years. Forty eighty that's one that's like two hundred million over five years, and then two hundred and forty million over six years. That math is right. You might want to check it. I don't know. Pretty close to that, right? So th- that's a huge deal, dude, to get $40 million annually. And, you know, Bryce doesn't really want to sign that. And obviously, Major League Baseball players, they're all, they're all getting guaranteed money when they sign, right? And they want that 10-year deal because what if they get injured? Then they Because it's guaranteed money. So, like, that would be awesome. You know, there's some risk from the player side of signing a short-term deal because, you know, what if when they're 31 and their production severely drops off or they get injured and can't play the game like they used to, like Prince Fielder? But Prince Fielder's still getting paid, but he got injured and his career basically ended. So that's what a Major League Baseball player wants is really what anyone wants is financial security. But then Major League Baseball play, uh, Major League Baseball teams don't want to sign guys to a 10-year contract because what if they get hurt and their production declines? Then I still have to pay them. So it's like the players want to sign a 10-year contract for the exact same reason that teams don't want to sign that 10-year contract. It's all in production decline, right? The players want their guaranteed money because if they play like crap, they still get paid. But then the teams are like, but if you play like crap, I don't want to pay you. So it's like you can't really fault the teams at this point for not wanting to do it. And I think if you're a player, especially if you're Bryce Harper, man, you have to really just have faith in yourself. And I think if I was Bryce, I would be way more apt to sign a short-term deal with the team that I think could contend and win. Wait, what, what's wrong with Bryce Harper taking like the LeBron James approach and just moving teams to win, right? What if like the Los Angeles Dodgers have would never want to sign Bryce to a 10-year contract, but if the Dodgers knew, because the Dodgers were in Bryce Harper talks early in the offseason, and they still could be, man. You know, all it takes is one random tweet from somebody to be like, holy crap, Bryce is going to sign with the Giants. So... Like, I just said that I think the Giants and the Phillies are the only teams in the race. Dude, they're not, man. If you think the Yankees don't have their eyes on this and they're, like, completely out of it, you're wrong, dude. Same way with, like, the Dodgers and really every team in baseball. But they're just not being super aggressive because Bryce's camp wants that 10-year deal, and they're like, well, we all want short-term deals. But if I'm Bryce, dude, give me five years at $200 million with um 4080 that's four that's 40 million dollars a year if you sign a five-year contract and a 200 million deal so if he signs that five-year contract with like la wins a world series guess who's a free agent at 31 and that'll be past the new collective bargaining agreement which hopefully will have better relations between the players union and major league baseball he could literally sign another five-year contract for 200 million maybe a hair lower maybe a hair higher than at that point You've got a 10-year contract at, say, 380 to $400 million. That dwarfs Giancarlo Stanton's 13 at 325. Why would you not want to do that as a player? This is crazy, and it makes me think, like, the, the players piss me off a little bit in this because the players are very vocal on Twitter and through interviews, you know. You know, guys like Adam Wainwright, 
and Kenley Jansen like hinting at a strike could happen. But listen, Bryce has already received a 10-year, $300 million offer and didn't take it. And a five-year, $200 million offer when you're 26 is phenomenal because over that 10-year span, you could make nearly $400. Let me ask you this. Is guaranteed money more important than winning? Would Bryce Harper go to a team where he doesn't think he could win immediately or ever for that matter? To get the guaranteed money, like, why would you not bet on yourself, which seems like a really noble thing to do for an athlete? Like, do you not think you're going to be good? Is that why you want to sign a 10-year contract? Is because you think you're not going to be good for the next 10 years? That seems a little dishonest to me, you know? Because that's why baseball players want 10-year contracts. They want that guaranteed money over 10 years to take care of your family. I got news for you, guy. Five years of $200 million takes care of your family for generations to come. But you just want more and more and more. Do you even want to win? Or do you just want the money? But if you would take a short-term offer right now, Bryce and Manny could be on teams that are set to win and still be free agents when they're 31 years old. Like, Do you not believe you'll be good for 10 years? Then why would you sign that contract? And what, shit the bed and not be good for 10 years? Be a mediocre player at best from ages 32 to 36? Or do you have what it takes to be a winner and a champion and play great baseball? Because if you do, if you believe in yourself, then take this five-year deal at $200 million, let's win a World Series, and then sign another free agent contract when you're 31. So I'm sorry, man, but players can't really be mad at that because players are willing, like Albert Pujols, to sign this long-term deal and get the money and basically rob owners of money. Albert Pujols is like one of the worst players in all of Major League Baseball and is one of the highest paid players in all of Major League Baseball. That's not right. Like morally, is that right to do that? Like I get you're taking money from like big companies, right? Like who cares about it? Like who cares if, you know, I steal, you know, a case of Nestle water from Target on the bottom of my basket, right? They're rich. Like who cares? It's like Robin Hood, steal from the rich and give to the poor. But is that the way to play the game? Is that the way to be remembered? For hundreds of years as being this great baseball player and this athlete is just wanting the most money that you can possibly get? Or is it about winning? Like, so, I mean, baseball players can be mad that they're not getting offered 10-year deals anymore. And yeah, those 10-year deals, they're bad deals. But I'm sorry, man. Like, you just want these deals because if you start to suck, you still get paid like you're really good. And you can come to me under the guise of like, you're not going to pay me when I'm young and you're going to put me through these arbitration years. But Bryce Harper made like $18 million last year on his arbitration deal. He's taken care of forever at that point, man, with smart investments. Like, that's great. You know, so um, honestly, I'll, I could give you a different answer every week on the way these Major League Baseball players are. Like, whose fault is it, right? Is it the player's fault or is it the owner's fault? But in the sense of these players just wanting to get 10-year deals and get fat and comfortable and age really bad – and still get paid like they're really good, like that hurts the team, right? Like Albert Pujols' contract with the Los Angeles Angels, he's weighing that whole team down. They're never, ever going to win a World Series with Albert Pujols sucking that much money out of it. Never. They're never going to do it. So why wouldn't Albert just be like, hey, let's restructure my contract and pay me a little less because I'm not playing that good and bring some really good players in here so we could win? Now, that sounds completely stupid, but you realize how rich a guy like Albert Pujols is? I would 
be kind of sit back here and say, do you care about winning? Because if so, take less money because you're awful. You're, you play baseball about as good as a dead person does. You're worse than average, my man, but you're getting paid this way above average. Would that not be the logical thing to do if you really cared about winning to say, hey, let's restructure my contract and I'll take less money so we can sign some more guys? Like, what if what if I took less money and we could make a run at Bryce Harper? Because we know he would love to play out West because he's from out West. His family lives out West. And what if Albert was like, dude, you could cut my salary in half. Let's restructure some stuff. I'm totally willing to do it because I want to win a World Series. I want to go to the postseason with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and all these good – and Shohei Otani. But it'll never happen. It'll never happen because these players want to take their 10 to 12 years and just sit back and play like crap and still get paid. So you run into the stalemate of Major League Baseball players want to sign a 10 or 12, 13-year contract because if they suck, they still get the money. But Major League, Major League Baseball teams don't want to do that because if you still suck, I got to pay you like your Willie fucking Stargell or Willie Mays or Babe Ruth, man. And then you're going to hamstring my whole team, and then we're stuck in this situation to, listen, we're not going to win until you're gone. The Angels aren't going to win until Pujols is gone. The Giants didn't win until Barry Bonds was gone. And this is the stuff that happens, man. The Detroit Tigers rebuild can't really start until Miguel Cabrera is gone, and he's an awful contract right now because he's old and breaking down so collusion no intelligence yes but also with the players man it would be great if major league baseball players would care about the game a little more to take that short-term deal and care about winning but if you wonder why fans are mad and when baseball players went on strike in 94 and they were really mad if fans were really mad at players because they were looking at guys like Tom Glavin like you guys are just a bunch of greedy millionaires like I make $35,000 a year and eat fish sticks for dinner and you guys are eating caviar and driving a limousine around saying do you have any more gray poupon so it's like come on man you understand why fans are mad so these Major League Baseball players are tweeting, being like, system's broken, system's broken. Justin Verlander's like, system's broken. But just remember, Bryce Harper turned down a 10-year and $300 million contract and won't take $40 million annually at five years and two hundred. Hypothetically, if he would take it, teams would want to sign him. That's a lot of money. So listen, baseball players, you want your $10 and $11 million deal and be taken care of when you suck? That's great. But if you really care about the game, do something about it now, man. Take that five years at 200. Show me you want to win. You want to make baseball fun again? Then make it fun again, man. Play with a contender and let's see these teams win. There would be more competition if guys didn't want 10, 12-year deals. There would be more competition in baseball if you could get guys for four or five years. You know, if teams like, let me think about this real quick, the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox get forgotten about. Does anyone know they won a World Series in 2005? ESPN sure as shit doesn't. They continue not to know they won a World Series in 2005. But if Bryce Harper was realistically available for five years and $200 million, which is $40 million a year, which is more money than I'll ever, ever even see in my lifetime— and I, 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 you know, I went to Iceland last week, bro. I have enough money, man. I'm happy in my life, dude. Money doesn't buy happiness. Do these baseball players think it does? I don't know. But if teams like the Chicago White Sox knew that they could get Bryce for five years and $200 million, that would open up so much competition in Major League Baseball, and they would do it. So these baseball players are complaining, but they're not doing nothing about it. They're not doing nothing about it because they want the 12-year deal. They want the 12-year deal because they're not comfortable in their own abilities to perform for 10 years. You don't want to sign the t you want to sign the 10-year contract 
because you want to be locked in as a player because you know your performance is going to drop off. And when you sign a five-year, $200 million deal, and if your performance is dropping off, you're not going to replicate that contract and you're going to make less money. So how can you as a Major League Baseball player know that and say, give me the 12 years and the guaranteed money because when I start to slip, I'm not going to get paid that money. But at the same time, you want to be pissed at ownership for not wanting to sign you for 10 to 12 years because you're going to suck. They don't want to pay you because you're going to suck. So you can't be mad at the owners because you want that 10-year contract for the same reason they don't want the 10-year contract. So we're all in agreement that if we sign you for a 10-year contract, your performance is going to decline, bro. It's going to be a slope down a hill, and it's going to hit a tree like Sonny Bono, and you're going to die, man. And this is what it is. So baseball players can't be pissed. You can't be tweeting out all the time that the system's broken. We're all in agreement that you're going to suck when you're 35 years old. It's unbelievable, man. So, like, everyone has to have ownership in this situation. Owners have to have ownership, dude, right? Major League Baseball players have to have ownership because they're running this company, dude. So many baseball players don't go to college. They don't have business degrees because they get drafted out of high school. They're athletes, not attorneys. They're athletes, not marketing experts. So Major League Baseball is fully in charge of making sure that we don't have a strike, making sure the game's marketed correctly, and making sure fans come and come and watch the game play. It's not happening. Attendance is down. Nobody. Baseball's becoming irrelevant, right? Baseball, if we don't watch out, baseball's going to become boxing, right? Do you know any heavyweight boxers? Dude, the last relevant heavyweight boxers I could ever name would be Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Beyond that, it's nothing. Let's not have baseball become that, right? So I get it. Owners in Major League Baseball, dude, they're they're fully in charge. But Major League Baseball players have to take responsibility. It makes me so mad when guys like Kenley Jansen and Adam Wainwright are like, we might have to strike. You cannot strike. If you care about the game in any way, shape, or form, owners and players are going to have to agree because the game depends on it. The 1994 strike had the blessing of steroid-induced home runs from Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Guess what, kid? We're not going to get that again because when baseball struck in 94, they were in a much better position before that strike than what they are now, man. And now Major League Baseball is looked at as this money-grubbing entity that's just pure capitalism, just money in, money in, money in. And we're only going to give out what we got to give out, man, because it's just, let's get paid, my dude. So the strike can't happen, man. It cannot happen. I wish they wouldn't even talk about it. I wish they wouldn't comment publicly on it because even the fans that we have, your diehard baseball fans, We'll be cool with it, man. It doesn't phase me that Adam Wainwright and Kenley Jansen talk about it. So like, I don't care, man. I love baseball, dude. You're not gonna you're not gonna take baseball away from me, man. You're not gonna make me not be a fan, dude. I love summer, I love drinking beers, eating hot dogs, and I love baseball. Always will, dude. But when you got borderline fans, you know, like I got a buddy Chris from Philly. He's a big Philly sports fan. His team, they're the Philadelphia Eagles, my man. His second team, the Sixers. But like the the Phillies are only on his radar if they're about to be good. So right now the Phillies are on his radar because of potentially a Bryce Harper, Manny Machado signing and this team getting really, really good again. So he's a borderline baseball fan. You know, he'll watch it when they're good and watch it when they're bad. But if you take a fan like that and you don't take care of that fan and you start to poison that fan with collusion talk and strike talk, he's going to lose interest really fast freaking quick and there are a lot of fans like that so no matter what happens 
Baseball cannot strike. They have got to work together. Both sides have got to budge. I don't care if Alex Rodriguez signed a 10-year contract 15 years ago for $250 million. I don't care. I don't care. The game might need to fix itself. These guys have got to meet in the middle, man. If baseball players want paid more of that percentage, then that's fine. But if that percentage that baseball players get paid doesn't just need to go to the richest players, man. It needs to go to the poorer players, too. It needs to go to the minor leaguers. You've got to take care, make sure baseball players are taken care of financially. And I'm sorry, Jake Arrieta. When you want to complain on Twitter about this and that and the other, guess what, pal? You had one great season, and you've not had another great season since. You're making $75 million. You, you make $25 million a year, so you signed a three-year contract for $75 million. Baseball is making sure you're well-paid. So if these rich guys are wanting just to be richer, why don't you take the money you've been blessed with and make sure that money goes to minor leaguers? You know, maybe the league minimum isn't $555,000, right? Because you figure, oh, shit, if he's making half a million dollars a year, he's great. <clears throat> but maybe he was in the minor leagues for three, four years and racked up a ton of debt. Just saying, man, you know his wife can't work. If, he, if the guy's got a wife, because he's gone all day, what's she going to do? Pay $5,000 a month in child care? Dude, there's other things to the game besides your 10-year, $300 million contract. Let's get together, guys, and let's take care of baseball. These sides have got to meet in the middle or else baseball is in trouble. Woo, that was a wild segment. I'll tell you what, I don't drink a lot of coffee, but this morning I drank a lot of coffee. And what it was, I was at Target yesterday. And I bought a 20-ounce coffee mug that says liquid power, and it's got, like, electricity around where it says liquid power. That, in combination with me not drinking a lot of coffee, just produced the segment you just listened to. So thank you for holding on tight to that roller coaster, guys. I got a little bit of coffee left, so there's still a little bit of hype in the tank. So check this out. Here's what we're going to talk about next, dude. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Played in the minor leagues last year, 95 games. That's what he did. And he finished. He obviously graduated to AAA or whatever. In the minor leagues last year, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. batted 381, had an on-base percentage of 437, and slugged 636, dude. So I always like to make analogies of like he got on base basically 44% of the time and me as like a, a semi-functioning adult. There aren't a lot of things I do 44% of the time, let alone be a professional baseball player and get on base. So, like, the analogy I'll use this time is I don't brush my teeth 40% of the time, probably. No, that's not bad. I'm sorry. I actually really do brush my teeth 40% of the time. I want to come up with something funny. I might not have anything now. But, like, I might not put on deodorant 40% of the time, right? It seems to to escape my uh, morning repertoire. It's like, I, I just forget to put on deodorant, dude. Like, that's a simple human activity. For someone that's going to get on a Major League Baseball base 40% of the time, it's a pretty good deal. So, Vlad Jr., that's more than most adults do like normal stuff they should do. Like, put on deodorant or floss or eat healthy or go the speed limit, you know, stuff like that, man. Cheers to you, dude, because you're doing something nobody else can do. And here's the thing, man. The kid's only 19 years old, dude. That's super, super exciting, man. You know, good baseball stuff is always when, like, 19-year-olds come up, right? Like A-Rod or Griffey Jr. or a Juan Soto last season, right? Like, dude, Mickey Mantle came up when he was 19, dude. Bryce Harper, 19. Trout, 19 to 20. I don't remember, man. But young dudes in baseball are stellar to bring up, man. They're phenomenal for the game. They're phenomenal for the franchise. It's a story. 
that like we don't see a lot of. So it usually like gets some pretty good traction when you've got like a teenager doing crazy stuff. Because like when I was 19, like I'm pretty sure I was arranging like kegs of Natty Light and figuring out, hey, who's 21? We need to get this thing ordered. We need to get it to the house. We need to get it on ice. And we need like 250 like solo cups, right? So that was a lot of like preparation to do that as a 19 year old. And I felt pretty good being a 19 year old because you can, you know, round up a good party, you know, with beer pong and Natty Light. Well, this guy's a 19 year old is one of the best professional baseball hitters, like in all of the land, you know? So he's essentially like getting kegs of Natty Light, like delivered super efficiently as a teenager, right? But not booze, but like hitting. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? No. Okay. I didn't figure it did, but check it though, man. Like that's what it is, dude. And last September, dude, he didn't come up to the majors. Toronto was like, nah, we're good. He's not ready yet. And then this season, the Blue Jays are going to hold him back again. And they're going to be like, nah, we're good. We want him to be, this is what the Blue Jays said about not bringing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. up on opening day. We want him to be the best hitter and third baseman he can possibly be. He batted 381 in the minors last year. What do you want him to do? Like, hit like Ted Williams. Like, if he batted 406, would that be good enough? Like, do you want him to slug 700? Like, these are pretty lofty numbers you might want him to put up. If a guy that bats 381 and slugs 636 that gets on base 44% of the time, 44%, and you're like, oh, we need him to be the best hitter he can possibly be. Bro, I, th- I think he's done it officially. Like, he's it, man. Like, I don't know what you want, dude, but this kid should be brought up, right? And I get it, dude. Like, Major League Baseball players, like, probably signed, like, a crappy CBA or whatever because you can manipulate service time, which that's what the Blue Jays are doing, man. If they hold him back for, like, a month at the start of this season, they get an extra year of service time, dude. I'm going to tell you why that's a bad idea on all fronts, dude. So, first and foremost, are Major League Baseball players benefiting from this type of manipulation? No, they're not getting as much service time and they're becoming free agents later, okay? It was Major League Baseball that actually pushed for that, okay? I would imagine. Here's the thing. This hurts Major League Baseball more than it does the damn player. End of story. Listen, dude, by the time Vlad Jr. becomes a free agent, dude, the CBA will be new and he'll probably get paid or whatever, right? But at this point, because you're holding a guy that can be such a big star back in AAA, where he plays in front of a crowd of probably like 20,000 people who really go to minor league games and just really go there for like the cheap refreshments. Like this hurts major league baseball way more than it does the player of these GMs being able to manipulate service time. Dude, if you want to create a phenomenal story, dude, you want this 19 year old up now, man, you want him up on opening day doing amazing things, dude. Because his dad, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, was pretty much like Vlad the Destroyer. An arm, a bat. He will swing a baseball bat and hit a home run. And it will look like the baseball equivalent of Mike Tyson, like, knocking somebody out, dude. Just destruction and power, man. It's like He-Man with a sword. That's it, man. And the apple, my man did not fall far from the tree with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So they're going to hold him back. And, like, I would go as far to say that, yeah, it, it hurts Major League Baseball way more than it does the player. And the fact that the idiots at Major League Baseball were cool with owners and GMs manipulating service time like this, like, you dumbass. Don't you realize, like, your young and exciting players just continue to get held back? 
Like you're that's so stupid. And that's part of the reason why I get so frustrated at Major League Baseball is because all they care about is money and revenue, dude. They don't care about like the intangibles in the game. They don't care about the amazing stories that could be told about these amazingly young players just doing wild things when they're not old enough to like you know, buy a case of Miller High Life and could barely go in the military if they wanted to. And it's like, dude, that's so wild. One of the best things in all of sports, in any sport, is watching guys do things they shouldn't be able to do. But the Blue Jays have a choice right now, and the choice they're making is revenue-driven. 100%, man. This is going to save us money if we hold them back. So let's do it. I would say right now with 100% confidence that the Blue Jays are making the wrong decision. I think... Logic would tell us that the Blue Jays, if they would bring him up, if they had brought him up last September, which they can't, obviously they can't fix that, but if they would bring him up on opening day, that I think would create more revenue than the money you save by getting an extra year of service time. So let's start on the top of that. Number one, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is what you think he is, which you do, that's why you're manipulating his service time because he's so valuable. But number two, if he's the guy you think he's going to be, you're going to have to lock him up and play it and pay him a shit ton of money anyway. So let's say this move of getting an extra year of service time saves this franchise. Let's say it saves them. Let's go really, really high. Let's say it saves him $30 million to make this move right now. $30 million. How much of that is in the grand scheme of things when Major League Baseball revenue is going up year after year, franchise revenue is skyrocketing year after year because all these TV deals and stuff that's happening. If you were to make this statement and say, we don't care about service time, I know that I could have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. sit in the minors for another four to six weeks and get an extra year of service. But I'm not going to do it. I don't give a shit. I want him to play on opening day. That sends a statement through all of Major League Baseball and its fans to see a franchise do something that's not money-driven, but that's guts-driven, that's human-driven to say, it's the right time to do this. And I understand what the spreadsheets and the numbers say, but as a human being that runs an organization looking at another human being that batted nearly 400 last season in the minors— we're going to bring him up because it's the right thing to do. So that would send ripples through the Toronto Blue Jays system that the players that sit in that system now would say, oh, man, that's the type of franchise we're really playing for, right? We're playing for a franchise that doesn't look at us as an arbitration number and a service time number. We're playing for a franchise that looks at us as human being baseball players. This is great. Tell me that that would not benefit the system that you're creating, single A, double A, triple A, rookie ball, summer ball, all of this crap, you would further enhance the player experience and your player development by your minor leaguers saying, wow, that's really impressive what the Blue Jays done. I'm proud to be here. And that person might elevate their game even further because they feel better about where they work. It's just like where you work or where I work. You want those things. You want to be built around this awesome development system. Why do you think teams like the St. Louis Cardinals always have great farm systems and build up great players that really weren't necessarily top prospects like Albert Pujols, right? 
It's because they've got a great system. What do you think is more important? Saving $30 million that you can read on a spreadsheet or making a statement throughout your organization that says, here's who we are. Yeah, do, or do we care about finances? We do, but we care about the human being more. And you're playing right now. We could easily get a year of service time, but we want you in right now because you're really good and our fans will love it. Fans will come out, buy more merch. Maybe they watch more on TV. Think of the impact that would have in this one statement of the Toronto Blue Jays doing something that no other baseball team does is bringing up their stud and not giving a shit about service time. Do you think more people might tune in on TV? Do you think more people might come to the ballpark? Because now they kind of have this like this feeling towards the organization. Like, damn, I really like that. That's awesome. Hell, I probably watch more Toronto Blue Jays baseball. I've never stepped foot in Canada. I don't like the Blue Jays, but I would. That would make that would make me be like, damn, I respect that move. I like that. That would be a, that would be almost marketing genius because that news would spread. It would be the talk right now of Major League Baseball. Like, it would be huge to have that situation. And Major League Baseball would forever be thankful to that because this 19-year-old kid gets to come up, and it could also, oh, my gosh, create so much more marketability for the Toronto Blue Jays to where that would further enhance this guy who could be their franchise star for the next 20 years. It'd be unbelievable. To me, it's a no-brainer, but no, let's save the $30 million. I mean, if you look at, like, the Chicago Cubs doing that to Chris Bryant, that might be the – Chris Bryant's a really good guy. Chris Bryant's the type of guy that would play with an organization forever. But don't – I know that that rubbed Chris Bryant the wrong way of them holding him back. And he knows now that at the end of the day, yeah, he plays for the Chicago Cubs – but the Cubs don't really care about me. They don't really care about doing right by me because at the end of the day, I put on this jersey, but I'm just I'm just an employee number, right? Don't look at me as a person. Look at me as my service time number. Look at me as my arbitration eligible number. Let's go to arbitration and tell me how I don't deserve that much money, right? Theo Epstein was and the Cubs were stupid for holding Chris Bryant back because if that's if they think Chris Bryant's what he's going to be, this Hall of Fame guy who's going to be the National League version of Mike Trout, you want to treat him right. Don't you think that probably rubs some borderline baseball fans the wrong way that are like Chicago sports fans, so they're kind of like Cubs fans, and they're just sort of like, I can't really deal with that shit anymore. You know, like I've always kind of been a borderline football guy, and – my team was always the Dallas Cowboys. My grandpa, oddly enough, so we grew up in Southern Illinois. He's always a Cubs fan, but he enjoyed Cowboys football. So, obviously, I would watch Cowboys football. Love Tony Robo, man. He's my favorite quarterback ever, him and Brett Favre. And I started to really sort of dislike the Cowboys when they started to make stupid moves. I was a borderline fan. I wouldn't call myself a Fairweather fan. I just had a really good interest in what they were doing. But, like, there was – like three years ago where the Dallas Cowboys signed Greg Hardy. And this was right after like he he beat up his girlfriends, had like a bunch of guns in the house and stuff like that, and really got into some trouble. And it was like the Cowboys signed it because they could do it for cheap, and they didn't really care about the character of the guy. And so in my head, I'm thinking, this is sort of like a circus. Like this isn't really a team I could stand behind or really enjoy watching. And when a team doesn't operate with integrity, kind of like the Cowboys signing Greg Hardy or – the Chicago Cubs and the Toronto Blue Jays manipulating service time of their stars, you know, unless you're really a diehard fan, 
that shit kind of just rubs you the wrong way where you're like, meh, I don't really care. That's kind of annoying. Maybe I watch less games now, you know? But to make a statement and do the right thing versus, you know, losing these borderline fans, when you make a statement and do the right thing, those borderline fans who maybe are more football fans than baseball fans, maybe something like this kind of catches them a little bit. And they're like, oh, wow, did you hear about that? Like, the Toronto Blue Jays don't really care about money. They sort of just did the right thing. Man, I'm kind of interested in this Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now. Because with baseball, man, your stars, just like any sport, dude, because in the day we live in, dude, with like the social media and all this stuff, if we maybe aren't really into a particular team, but they've got a really good player that, you know, something about them has caught our interest, that impact player has the ability to create fans for life. And that would be so huge if Major League Baseball teams would just operate as a human being. <laughs> okay, so, and while I'm sort of on the topic of like younger Major League Baseball players, here's one other thing that I thought, and then we'll close out the show after this, I promise. One minute 48, and I'll stop ranting right now. I wish Major League Baseball players would come to the bigs at a younger age. I do, and I think it's possible. I think if Major League Baseball made it a thing to bring all Major League Baseball players up early, it would just be like a younger culture in pro baseball. And here's sort of why I like the idea of that. Major League Baseball's offseason is the most boring offseason in the world. It's like watching paint dry. It's like on Ferris Bueller's day out where the teacher's like, Bueller, Bueller. Like, it's not really fun, right? And a lot of that is because, like, stuff that happens outside of Major League Baseball is just boring as shit, right? So, like, the Major League Baseball draft, it's nothing because you could yeah, there's no hype around the number one overall draft pick in baseball because you're not going to see the guy for like six years. You're not going to see him forever. And I get like you can't bring the average 19-year-old to play Major League Baseball because he's going to get eaten alive. You know, like Juan Soto is one thing and Vlad Guerrero Jr. is one thing. But your normal 19-year-old is going to be awful, right, Major League Baseball because like all the other players are older. Because Major League Baseball players, they get brought up when they're older, right? So I wonder if at some point Major League Baseball could start just bringing up all of their players into Major League Baseball. Because if you bring all players into pro ball to MLB at a younger age, then everyone's going to be younger. And then that playing field gets leveled out because all the players get brought up when they're younger. And I don't think you would create worse players by doing that if you brought everyone up in that manner. And I guess what I'm getting at is I would like the landscape of the league to be younger because I think it's a good thing to have those younger kids up there. And also you are you would create something that's more in touch with the Major League Baseball draft, and that would make the draft more exciting because it's a player that you could see a lot sooner than later. And I think my goal in this thought process is Major League Baseball needs more exciting ancillary activities like the Major League draft. And I think the All-Star game's pretty big. I think that the All-Star game could use a little bit of reformatting. Like, I think it'd be rad to have a captain of the American League and National League All-Star team and they do a draft just like they do in NBA, right? That would be that would be super fun. You know, I'd enjoy it for sure. But um I think yeah, it's super important to find these like 
other activities that happen outside of real-life Major League Baseball games, like improving the All-Star game and improving the draft, that'll just make the sport a lot more fun and relevant. And for sure, bringing guys up earlier, more of a connection to the draft, I would love it. So yeah, it'd be pretty fun. Because that's the weird thing about baseball is you don't really get to know a stud baseball player until he does something really, really good. And then at that point, like he's already been playing baseball for like five or six years. And it's really hard to all of a sudden market that person in a different way because they've been going about their business in a certain way. So if you wonder why Mike Trout all of a sudden isn't this stud popular dude, it's because he got drafted and didn't really make an impact for like five years later. And it's sort of like, oh, that's old news because like I've kind of heard the name, but he, you can't sufficiently hype a guy when he has to go to single A and he rides a bus to and from whatever ballpark he's going to. Like he's on a Greyhound and for lunch he's eating out of a quick trip bag, maybe a donut, a hot dog, and like a large coffee. So it's, yeah, man, you can't really do stuff like that. And yeah, over time, yeah, make all these guys younger, bring him up earlier and create a younger league like NBA's created a super young league because at most you have to play college basketball for a year and so you got guys coming in that are 19 years old that's just fun to watch dude I dig it so other than that I'm gonna end the show like right now um I'd like to talk about that more you know about bringing guys up when they're younger and just creating that culture because it makes sense right like if you just start bringing everyone up earlier then that would just like sort of be the game, I guess. And maybe, you know, more guys would get a chance to play pro ball. And I don't know, you know, more names in the mix would be great for sure. But yeah, for sure, reformat the All-Star game. I'd be down with that, man. Give us captains. I could just see it now, dude. Like having like a draft to get behind, dude, would be so rad. Like I guess right now, like coming into like this year's All-Star game, maybe your captains would be like, Bryce Harper for the National League and then like Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts for the American League. It'd be so rad. And it'd also be fun to see like Aaron Judge like pick Mookie Betts, you know, because the Red Sox and the Yankees fans like hate each other. But like your stud picks like the stud from the team that you hate the most, which would be awesome. Or like if Chris Bryant is a captain and he so happens to pick like Jack Flaherty as his pitcher, right? Like that would be so awesome. Like he doesn't even pick a Cubs pitcher. He has to pick a Cardinals pitcher. It'd be awesome. Wrap the show up. Bye guys. I'm going to upload this right now, and then I'll probably record something either later tonight or tomorrow. But other than that, thank you for listening. Have a great Sunday. Be lazy. Be as lazy as you can be. And if you listen to this on Monday morning while you're at work, be as lazy as you can be. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.